You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Today we are continuing our conversation with Dr. Dean Busby from Brigham Young University, his professor there in the School of Family Life. Today we are talking about three different sexual passion styles. Dean is uh, one of the authors for the book, Sexual Wholeness in Marriage. So, um, Which I think we talk about nearly every episode. <laughs> yes. So if you haven't checked it out yet, mm-hmm. check it out. Which discusses these kind of, uh, this type of communication that you need to have with your, with your partner about uh, sexuality, sex, everything in general. Uh, you've given a presentation recently at the Utah Coalition Against Pornography, uh, St. George Conference. You talked about uh, sexual passion styles. Can you delve into that a little bit and discuss with us, particularly our culture of, of you know, trying to, we're afraid to talk about the do's mm-hmm. about sexuality. So can yeah, you discuss excellent. that? I'd love to. Uh, so sexual passion is a new line of research that we've been doing and uh, Essentially, there's three approaches to... to we, we all have a passion for for sex, short of there's a very small percentage of people that are considered asexual. It's not even... It's very small. But so most people have a passion for sex. It's a physical passion, and it's an emotional passion. It's a desire, um, an interest in being sexual. And the passion literature suggests that um, for something to become a passion, you have to focus on it and you have to work at it, which is really a different take on how we think about passion. In general, we think about it as a feeling that descends upon, I feel passionate about something, and it's just emotion. Uh, the new research on, on passion suggests that for something to really become a passion rather than just a whim or an emotion, it's you, you have to have an interest in it, which again is pretty common for people around sexuality. Everybody has one. And then you have to put time and effort into developing that interest. And so as we've studied this, we've found there's three distinct styles of passion. So all of them have a passion, but they express it in different ways. And they're inhibited, which means they tend to feel the interest in being sexual. They want to be sexual, but then they, they're anxious and, they, and they're worried and sort of what we were talking about earlier, this shame and stuff can sometimes be t- attached. So then they tend to um, fight themselves a lot about expressing themselves. And this is in a context where they should express themselves. Usually in a, we study typically married couples or committed couples at least. And so, um, so even in that setting of marriage, they tend to feel the interest they want to, but then they fight themselves. It's sort of an internal um, inhibited kind of approach. Then the middle group is harmonious. That's the one that we, we it's the ideal. Um, and actually, uh, thankfully, most couples, most married couples are, if of the three styles, more of them are in that harmonious. So so a lot of people are figuring it out, which is fantastic. A harmonious means that you're able to express your sexuality in such a way that it's congruent or in harmony and balance with the other parts of your life. So it feels respectful of your partner, of your own needs, of your partner's needs. It honors 
you, it feels um, respectful of and, and in harmony with your values and your beliefs and, and the other things in your life. It doesn't overwhelm you to the point where you can't stop or you just you're fixated on it. And so when you need to do other things, you're just thinking about sex. It's not like that. That's the obsessive one. The obsessive style is where it takes over your life. It's difficult to control. There's a fixation on it sometimes, almost an inability to keep it in balance. And so that interferes with the quality of life in other areas. And so those are the three styles. And the harmonious style, it's important to, to, to say, for one, that we're all struggling in this, that we, we can all move, we want to, even if we're in harmony, that sometimes life can throw some wrenches into our experiences and our relationships and we can get out of harmony. Uh, we might have a bad experience about sexuality. We might have had a bad experience in the past. And then uh, we can get pushed more into the inhibited direction. We might sort of get to a place where we feel disconnected and unloved, and then we make poor choices and start to fixate on sexuality as a solution for things that it can't solve, like my self-esteem and that sort of thing. And so then it might move over to the obsessive side. So while harmony is the goal, I, I don't want to present it as something that you get it and then it's done. It's something you're always struggling. You know, think of the word balance. You know, is it imbalance? And and then the other thing about harmony that's hard to keep a hold of is our bodies are changing our whole lives. It's a real moving target. The typical male has 400, I think it's milligrams. I can't remember the measure for testosterone at 20. By the time he's 50, he has 200. Well, that's half. It doesn't mean he necessarily wants sex half, but it's changed a lot. And a woman's changes as well. Her, she's got a lot of different hormones in the estrogen progesterone cycle. And, of course, that all changes through menopause. So bodies are moving. And we throw in pregnancies. Exactly. And children. And illness. And, and stress. And, stress yeah, is a totally. huge thing. So you're throwing in all these other variables. So you might have been harmonious for a while. And then what's going on? It's out of kilter. It doesn't feel right. I'm picturing this math equation that yeah, has, like, just... more variables than I ever even learned what to do with. Yes. Yeah. It's complicated. And we're fortunate that our bodies seem to try to find an equilibrium. And if we can talk it through and, and be open about, I'm just feeling really stressed out right now, and that does this to my sex drive, you know, whatever you need to talk to it as a couple, that can, that can make a lot of difference in helping you adjust to those changes. And you said pregnancy. Uh, uh, the fascinating thing about pregnancy is a woman in those nine months of pregnancy will go through as much surges in hormones as she would typically experience in nine years. Mm. And so it's it's tremendous, uh, the changes that she's going through. And then you have the postpartum thing where the surges are just amazing as well. So that's just this unknown issue. How is pregnancy going to affect sexuality? What's going to happen when we don't get enough sleep with the kid, et cetera, et cetera. And so staying in harmony is a lifetime goal. And challenge and and what what seems to be one of the more interesting uh, challenges as we age is that the because the hormonal intensity reduces, you have to change your passion from something uh, that was more driven biologically to something that you make a choice about. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm going to decide that I want to continue to have a nice sexual relationship, a consistent sexual relationship. I don't necessarily feel the same things the same ways as I age, but I know it's important and it's crucial. And so you make it's it's a choice. Is that for an example? You like plan 
with your spouse, okay, let's have sex this night. Right, right. It might, it might be less spontaneous, more deliberate, and uh, and then uh, and so that's that's what comes with aging. I think is the need to do that. The other thing is. There's a, there's a central belief system around sexuality. Besides the anxiety and guilt, we'll just take that one out. The other central belief system that influences the way we approach sexuality is called a sexual destiny or sexual growth mindset. This is a, this is a, a life-wide belief system. It, it's the same with us in our careers and our families. If we think things come to us because of chance and destiny, we approach them one way. If we think they come to us because uh, of work and, and uh, growth and diligence, then we approach them a different way. And it makes all the difference in the world for mostly everything. Um, and the thing that's so powerful about sexuality is because there's a chemistry element early in the relationship that's very, very strong for most couples, that chemistry is a destiny thing. It's just like the sexual spark or energy, and etc. And so couples tend to have, if there's one area in their life where they're going to have this sexual, this destiny belief rather than this growth belief, it's going to be in the sexuality area. Because it started with that, oh, I just, the, you know, there was just this energy there that I felt. And, and so then they believe that when that energy changes, it's not the right relationship. It's no longer a compatible, or it wasn't ever a compatible relationship. So they start talking about falling out of love, or I don't, I just don't feel the same way. Well, they shouldn't because they're not twenty anymore, and life changes and hormones change. It's re- it's relatively hormonally driven. This spark issue, and there's other issues too, but it, but it has a lot to do with hormones. So those, if again, I I understand from the beginning that a lot of sexuality, the most important elements of sexuality are having this growth belief, then it doesn't really matter what the hormonal situation is. I've made a commitment that this is an important part of marriage. We're going to work at it. We're going to go through these vicissitudes of our bodies, and we're going to figure out a way to stay in harmony with one another and with the way we believe. And so that helping couples get that idea early on, this is going to be, yes, it started out pretty chemical and pretty, pretty heavy duty. Uh, we call it the love of Eros, uh, uh, the erotic love. Um, it, it started out there, but it's going to need to, to merge into something that's a lot more purposeful and about growth just like and and if you start connecting it to this general passion stuff they can resonate with this because we've all done this like if you had passion for music for example and you might start playing the piano and it gets kind of old after a while but if you push through that and it's it's a good match for you you're playing the instrument that's good for you and you're doing reasonably well you push through this this phase where the initial excitement has died down then you begin to develop skills and an identity around it and you begin to think of yourself i'm a piano player and i'm a musician and then it's a different level of passion a much more beautiful level and since then the early kind of excitement about the new thing and that's what has to happen with sexuality you have to start identifying yourself as a sexual being who has decided that this is central to your life and your marriage and your happiness and then you work at it, and uh, just like playing the piano, you sometimes work at it, and you want to, and sometimes you do because you know you need to. And over over the course of time, if if you stabilize your activities and your efforts, it becomes a consistent source of joy. So very cool. Yeah.
We want to thank Dr. Busby for having this awesome conversation with us today. Look forward to future episodes where we continue this conversation. Thank you so much, listeners. We are so grateful for each of you, and we want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories, your questions, and your comments. And so we have created a link that we will include in our show notes that you can go to and anonymously leave any feedback or stories or questions that have come up for you as you've listened. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.